Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm your host. I don't know why I started out that way. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. (laughs) Um, So you can tell I feel better today. I feel better today. And that is because I had two special guests come over to my house and um, and make pretzels with me. And it was so much fun. And I make it a point to not name anybody on my podcast. So um, you know who you are. And um, two young women <laughs> came to came to make pretzels with me. And I'll tell you, I mean, that's where it's at. That's where the healing is, is being able to, um, to share with others. It's not just me sharing with them, but them sharing with me and just being present and, and just doing something that life is all about, you know, just sitting down and doing something that just seems fun and and I don't have to do it um it there's no nobody's getting paid to do it it's not work it's just fun and um and I feel like those little those little breaks that we get from real life are what life is all about, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I really enjoyed it. And, um, and I ended up giving myself a hope star right before I started recording the podcast, because I realized that when they were here, and um, towards the end, I wanted to show off my skills with the voiceover using voiceover on my devices and although I couldn't pull off showing them anything that I wanted to show them I think the basic navigation to me has become easy so even that they were impressed by and just having somebody be like wow you know wow I would never be able to do that is what one of them said. And I said, actually, you would be able to do it out of desperation. (laughs) And, um, and that's where I'm at, you know, so what I wanted to show was how I navigate a web page, but I'm still, it's a little tricky figuring out how to navigate the content on a web page. But I keep having these little breakthroughs and I just spent some time right before the podcast um, figuring it out and I think I made another little breakthrough. So, you know, it's it's it can be frustrating, but it can also be fun. I think just any like anything else that you're learning. So it's a new thing. And and one of these days I'm going to be just flying around on my Mac with my screen black and you know, people I know are going to be like, how the hell do you know how to do that? Well, because I busted my ass to figure it out so that I could still uh, use digital devices and feel like I'm a part of and all that stuff. So anywho, uh, it was a good day. Yes, I feel like crap. So um, 
that's what the price is. That's the price I pay is, is I feel really dizzy. Um, so I have my eyes closed as much as possible while I'm doing the podcast today. So, uh, the topic today that I wanted to talk about is a, I'm springing off of yesterday's, which is what I typically do. If you can tell, I'm, I'm kind of trying to tell a little bit of a story and link uh, previous days and all that stuff. And um, it kind of naturally happens, really. It's not some grand scheme that I've put together. <clears throat> so uh, the topic is feeling grounded in stroke recovery. So yesterday I talked about how I need to accept the story of my stroke exactly as it occurred, both the physical impacts and the emotional impacts, and not try to add a exaggerated narrative, you know, to remove any additional narrative that really isn't just factual. And, um, and that's because as I'm going through recovery, I'm, depending on my mood, depending on how good or bad I feel, um, the story changes in my head and it's all about that self-talk and, and I start, um, having fear get added in and sadness added in. And so I want to, in order to remain hopeful, try to just continue to look at the facts and what is going on today. So um, I mentioned yesterday that I need to have a daily review of just, you know, just take some time, just a minute or two even, to think about, okay, what happened to me? Um, I had the stroke. What are the impairments I've been left with? Well, I've got vision impairment. I've got some speech issues happening. I've got some, a little bit of some sort of cognitive thing going on. I'm not quite sure what it is yet. We're still trying to figure that out. And the last one, what are my fears and sadness that I have just today? Just for so if I were to time box a fear in just today, what is it? Give it a name and then try to find the positive. And so yesterday, one of the examples was my fear is that I may never be able to drive again. And so I didn't even want to write that down yesterday. I was, I started erasing it because I was just like, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm so, I don't even know what the word is, sad about that or scared or uh, frustrated. There's so many, there's so many just like feelings that go around just that wrap around that that one statement, I may not be able to drive again. Um, for being 49 years old, I have half of my life left to live. And so to not drive again just seems overwhelming to me. 
So I didn't want to write it down, but I'm forcing myself to do it because this podcast is about recovery. And my uh, hope is that I can spread hope to other people in recovery. So I found the positive and that was that if I can't ever drive again, I'm not going to have a car payment. (laughs) And that feels pretty good. I was talking to one of my friends that was over making pretzels today and I mentioned to her that I was trying to find the positive around not being able to drive again and she said, oh, that you won't ever be stuck in traffic again like that, you know, where I'm driving and that's very true. I wish though that I didn't have to sit in it in the driver in the passenger seat either. Um. Anyway, uh, so it's possible. It's possible to find find the positive. I have a I have a coffee cup that my boyfriend gave me for Christmas two years ago that said uh, "Find the good" because I'm somehow I'm able to always find the good in everything. So um, that was touching to me when he gave that. To, it's just a coffee mug, but meh. I like I like what it was saying to me from him. So I talked about yesterday bridging the gap of who I was before my stroke and who I am now, trying to replace the fear and sadness each day with something positive. So uh, to continue on today, um, I expanded, I, I kind of generalized. I backed up and I thought, okay, what in general are these fears about? So um I wrote a few things down about if I were to generalize what some of these fears are. One, the uncertainty of what my life will look like even next year. That's one. Um, Two, I'm unable to make plans because I don't know if I'll be able to do it when the time comes. And... um, When I wrote that down, I thought, huh, that seems pretty familiar. And you know what it reminded me of? When we were all going through COVID together, we all didn't have any idea what life was going to look like next year, and we all were unable to make plans, schedule vacations, because we didn't know if we were going to be able to do it when the time came. So, um... Another one I wrote down was, will I ever be able to do that again? And that's where one of those grandiose fears, like I'll never be able to, I might ever, I might never be able to drive again. And um, then another fear was how long will I be like this? Fear, sadness, whatever it is. So my days are filled with lots of questions and The only way I'm going to get the answer to those questions is by seeking professional help from doctors and therapists and everything. And unfortunately, the time, it seems like there's a lot of waiting. You know, whenever something medical goes wrong, there's so much waiting before you get answers. And And those waiting periods can be just so destructive, I think, to our mental health. So um, this 
this type of uncertainty can lead to anxiety, overwhelming feelings, and, and racing thoughts. And it can also lead to just wanting to go to sleep until something comes along, you know, waiting for life to happen to me, waiting for life to arrive on my doorstep. I've talked about that. I've talked about um, having an action-based mindset rather than sitting around and, and waiting, you know, having life happen to you. So it's important in recover, recovery for me to keep my body and my mind connected. Um, and, and so staying grounded will help me to stop evolving the story, you know, stop future tripping. Um, so these grounding techniques that I'm going to talk about are used to lessen those overwhelming and distressing thoughts and feelings. They're a way for me to, uh, to anchor myself to the present instead of, like I said, instead of future tripping. So um, over the years that I've been learning about grounding techniques because of my uh, sobriety recovery, I've noticed that really all of them, and it makes sense, of course, all of them have to do with your senses. So um, observing what we're experiencing around us through, you know, our what we see, what we hear, what we're touching, what we smell, and describing it giving it a name. I talk about that a lot. I talk about feelings, giving feelings a name a lot, if you've uh, noticed a trend there. And so um, by, by doing that, by acknowledging what each of our senses are experiencing, it's, it allows us to tug our wild imagination back, you know, uh, pull that self-talk from the negative side over to um, even just being neutral, you know, just being, like I've been saying, factual, um, just acknowledging what I've gone through. What are the facts? I had a stroke. I have visual impairment. I have something going on with my uh, ability to uh, communicate. Sometimes um, I don't even know how to articulate it. That's kind of, uh, I don't know, <laughs> kind of funny, right? I can't articulate the problem with my uh, speech problems. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I try to find humor where I can. Okay. So, um, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to uh, talk through some grounding techniques. And um, these grounding techniques were originally given to me in my IOP um, class. So if you recall, IOP is, um, is an outpatient program 
where you learn about the disease of alcoholism. It and it gives you like a kickstart program to how to live and how to manage your feelings when you're first in recovery, how to manage stress and these grounding techniques, these types of things so that you don't feel the need to get to have a drink. Um, So because I drank for, uh, I guess I started drinking in middle school, I think we concluded um, several episodes ago, and I drank until I was 42, um, 40, I'm 49 now, yeah, 42, um, that's a long time that I did not deal with life and did not have any experience actually processing feelings, actually processing stress, fear, loss, grief, shame, joy. I mean, you name it, whatever feeling it was, I didn't process it. I was not, I was not, um, dealing with emotions the way that somebody who is not an alcoholic would. I did not, uh, I just poured alcohol over it. I just poured my Vela Chardonnay box of wine over all of my feelings and didn't process them. So IOP, when I got out of detox, was an opportunity for me to get some education about what the disease of alcoholism did did to me, um, like wh- how it um, how it shifted my actual like physical. Uh, I'm having a loss for words. Uh, what it did to me physically, what it did to me mentally. You know what I'm saying? Let's move on. Okay, here we go. So there's four different grounding techniques, like categories that I'm going to tell you about. And so the first one is mental grounding. So This is the way that, let's say, I'm outside, I'm walking my dog, Autumn, and, uh, you know, two days ago, I just started crying. I got this overwhelming feeling that my life was over, you know, that I'm going to just be, I'm not going to be able to do anything fun anymore. I, I can't do anything that requires my vision. I can't do anything fun anymore. I'm going to be stuck in the house. This is no way to live. You know, I was thinking these overwhelming racing thoughts. So this is how I can tug that wild imagination back to reality. So one way is to play the categories game. So this is that you just start listing types of something. So let's say types of flowers or types of TV shows, um, uh, sports teams, like name all of the football NFL teams that you can think of. So it's, it's a matter of really just making yourself start focusing on something. And then because 
although many people think they can multitask, you cannot multitask. And um, I hope my boss is listening because I say this all the time. Uh, you can't multitask. You can do multiple things at once and do all of them shitty, or you can do one thing at a time and do it 100%. And, um, and so I'm not saying that I don't try to multitask because I do. And my boyfriend would say that, um, I, I do it, uh, probably more than, (laughs) more than he would want me to. And, um, and that's when I'm super forgetful when I do that kind of thing. So focusing on something, um, naming types of something that interests you. And then another mental grounding, um, technique is to describe your environment in details. So list five things around you that you can see, five things you can feel, five things you can smell, and five things you can taste. So let's do that. That sounds like fun. Okay. So I am sitting in my office right now. So five things that I see right now are this piece of paper that I'm looking at <laughs> to to uh, uh, share this stuff with you. I'm looking at a mannequin that I use to drape uh, material on to sew for my sewing hobby. I'm looking at a keyboard for um, when I'm playing around trying to mimic uh, piano music and I have looking at a picture that says choose happy and I'm looking at the microphone that I'm talking into Uh, five things that I can feel I feel this piece of paper I feel this uh, this teal couch that I'm sitting on which is like a velvety kind of feeling and I feel the carpet which we have this cheap carpet in this house when we bought it it's like cheap but it's a little more it's a little longer than I've ever had carpet it just reminds me of the 70s anyway um I have uh what else do I feel I feel my pajama pants my pink pajama pants and I feel my hair. And five things I smell. That's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I don't... I smell some smell good stuff because I always have a candle lit. But I don't know that there are five things that I can smell in this room. I kind of hope that there's not five things I can smell in this room. <laughs> that would be a problem. Five things I taste. I taste... Um, the, it sounds nasty. I taste the dinner that I had earlier and I have a Coke. I don't know. We're going to move on. This is not going well, but, um, I do feel a little more present just from going through that. So those are mental grounding. So physical grounding, one of them is to dig your heels into the floor And notice the feeling and the tension in your body as you do this. So before the podcast earlier today, I 
did that. I was feeling, um, I guess anxious or something about something. I, I guess I needed to be grounded. And so I dug my heels in and I thought, ah, that kind of felt good to just like let out a little bit of tension that I feel on the inside of me, let it out through my legs and push into the into the floor. So I thought that was kind of helpful. Dig your heels into the floor. Another one is, and and I think I've heard this so many times in my life, but to carry around an object in your pocket for grounding. So I have done this um, since I got sober. And um, what I do is if I have uh, some, if I have a presentation, this is really the only time that I do it. If I have a presentation at work and it's either a very large crowd like all of the staff or it's executive leadership, I usually have, if you ask, if one were to ask me, I usually have my sobriety coin in my pocket. And the reason why is because I get so anxious um, that I have to be reminded that if I was able to stop drinking and continue to be stopped, um, if I was able to do that, I can do anything. And that's what it reminds me of because I was almost dead, you know, that my disease almost took my life. And I got out of that and I was strong enough, brave enough and had the willingness to get out of that. And if I can do that, I can do anything. So I keep it in my pocket at times that I need to be reminded if I'm just overly anxious about something. So uh, the next uh, section here on grounding techniques is soothing grounding. So one that I often do is picture somebody that you care about. And um, a lot of times, I know this is adorable, I will think of my boyfriend when I'm really uh, freaked out about something because there is just this peace that he gives me. He always has. And, um, and so I picture him. He's usually the one that I picture um, but I will picture my, my two kids in certain situations. Um, if I need to feel loved, uh, those, those are the two that I will first uh, picture. If I need to feel um, brave, I'll, I'll picture my boyfriend. And another one is to remember a serene place and how your body felt when it was there. And I do that a lot also because, um, well, because I'm typically, you know, they're, they're few and far between. And so that's where that snapshot technique is that I, that I shared with you. That if I'm experiencing something that is just, you know, something I want to remember for the rest of my life, I pause and I, I I'm like a, a human Polaroid. I will take a snapshot of whatever it is and, so that I can 
remember it at times when I need to be soothed. And so, and then the last category of grounding is somatic grounding. So this one's interesting. I, I don't recall this being introduced to me in my IOP class, but it says find a place on your body that feels calm, even if it's the end of your little toe. And I think that's adorable. I've never, I've never tried that, to be honest. So I'm going to keep that in mind if I can. And it's, it's, um, I find it difficult when you're like in the thick of anxiety to try any of these things. It's almost like when I'm actually super, now I'm talking about anxiety. Um, if I'm like in the thick of anxiety, it's nearly impossible for me to even remember any of these grounding technique categories, much less any of the individual things that I read. But um, it's practice. It's all about practice. The more that I try to do it, um, you know, maybe, maybe when I'm walking my dog over to the elementary school tomorrow for her to take a run, I'll just practice naming NFL football teams, you know, or I'll practice naming flowers or something and, and just get the habit of doing that kind of, um, stretching my brain, you know, just like you would stretch in yoga. I think that kind of exercise is like stretching your brain and, and exercising it. So, um, I think I'm going to try that anyway. So that's what I have for you today. And, um, I, I texted with an individual today, um, who knows that she can come over and make pretzels anytime as well, um, who also has a podcast. And so I listened to her podcast and it was so cool because I'm not like the master of podcasts. I don't even know. I've only listened to a handful of podcasts in my life for me to all of a sudden be like, I'm going to start a podcast, you know? And, and so to listen to the podcast, it was just great. I really enjoyed it. So if you're listening to my podcast, I really enjoyed yours. And, um, and so I hope that other people are enjoying mine. I know that, uh, people kind of browse different podcasts and you find one that's suitable for you. And, and I know sometimes mine gets a little deep. Sometimes I may even shed a tear or two. But uh, I also like to share a lot of a lot of humor, hopefully, and um, and just try to keep keep it upbeat. Um, one of my pretzel makers was leaving today, and she said, "How do you come up with your topics?" And I said, "Well, I." Uh, I go to my AA meeting in the morning and see what topic that meeting is about. And if anything strikes me that, um, that I can apply to my stroke recovery, then I'll jot that down and spend some time thinking about it because I've got more than enough time on my hands. So I will sometimes sit out on my back deck, uh, while the dogs run around and I drink my coffee and I, 
think and I take notes and and if I if if nothing just comes to mind that way I also have lots of resources I've been in recovery from for my um for uh my alcoholism for seven years now so I have a plethora of a lot of a library on recovery and so um I'll pull out a book I can't read the book so I have to really like look at the table of contents and if there's anything there that jumps out at me I may um Go, then go onto my iPhone using voiceover and search it so that I can listen to articles about that topic. So uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. I, I, it is hard. It's hard for me to research anything um, because I can't look at books and I can't look at anything at my computer or anything. So I've really been very reliant on my phone and using voiceover because I'm I'm getting to be pretty masterful at voiceover on my phone and being able to like navigate web pages and all that stuff with the screen off. Um, I'm still challenged with YouTube, but I'm getting there. YouTube has too many advertisements. If anybody works at YouTube out there, stop having so many advertisements for accessibility. No, actually, like have an accessibility feature that um, if you have voiceover on, the first thing that it reads on the web page is accessibility options. Go straight to search results or something like that. That's what I just learned this evening that Google does. Google search does is if you have voiceover on your on your Mac, it the first thing it'll do if you do a search is it'll uh, read like go straight to search results or go straight to content or something like that so that it just makes it easy for people that are blind and visually impaired. So, um, and that's what I am now, visually impaired. See, I'm stating the facts. I'm staying in the moment. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you tomorrow.